Welcome to episode three of Virtually Relevant. Today we're going to be discussing locomotion in VR. I'm Eric. I'm Josh. This is Kevin. And hey, I'm William. We're all part of the Houston VR community, and so this is going to be one of our deep dive episodes. We're going to be talking a little bit about why locomotion in VR is one of the the big unsolved problems. Uh, we're we're getting better and better with visual fidelity, with you know the higher resolution, with variable depth of field, but uh, and you know audio is getting better. But locomotion is a challenge for a lot of reasons. Um, the the core of the problem is what's called ocular vestibular disconnect. The idea is your eyes are seeing something different than your inner ear is processing. And the difference between those two things causes a lot of people uh, motion sickness, uh, sim sickness. And most the, the difficulty is that different people have different triggers for that sim sickness. And uh, so a solution that works well for one person often doesn't work well for another person. So um, people have been trying all sorts of hardware solutions, software solutions uh, to, to find things that are comfortable for people. Uh, teleportation has been kind of the thing that people have fallen to because it's easy, it works well, it doesn't make most people uncomfortable, but it also uh, takes away your sense of presence to a, a fairly significant extent, just as it's not a, a natural way of uh, moving. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the hardware and software solutions that uh, have been out there or are currently out there, and then we'll kind of dive into uh, some more forward-looking things. William, you want to take a first crack? Yeah, so um, I guess let's start off um, redirected walking, which is one of the most effective options, I think, but one of the hardest to do um, because you do tend to need quite a bit of space. Um, the most prominent example of this that you've probably seen ads for is the Void. Um, so they do a really good job of doing handling redirected walking. Um, I've done their Ghostbusters and their Star Wars uh, experiences um, and they do a really good job of utilizing their space. Um, so you'll go through a hallway, uh, and there'll be branching hallways off to your left or right that you don't really pay attention to because they're like caved in or something. And then you'll step into an elevator and the floor will rumble. And then you'll step back out of an elevator and you'll go down the same exact hallway that you were just in. But because visually it's a new space, um, you're fine with it. Your brain is like, okay, cool. We're in a new space. Everything's good. Let's go, go, go. And, uh, you know, if you really looked at it from a top down perspective, you have somebody traversing the same stretch of floor three, four five times. Um, you can get away with, uh, especially if it's, uh, a larger area. And the thing that they do is they have some walls that are real and then some walls that aren't. And really the only way to know that is to actually go up and check every wall. Um, so they they also do like wind effects and, and other things like that. So you, you invest in the world when you do it. Um, another example of that from uh, back in the DK2 and, and early CV1 days is a game called Unseen Diplomacy, which um, I think actually does a really good job of uh, utilizing the space that you have because whatever your play space is that you set up in your settings, um, it scales to that. So if you're in a two by three, it's going to be a lot of narrow, narrow corridors and things like that. And you're going to traverse that same space over and over and over. But if you can get the room to set up a 15 by 15 space, uh, it's going to use every inch of that. And we've actually done it at a few um, uh, 
demo events like Maker Fair and Comic Palooza where we've set up a large demo space and you have people crawling and, and, and stepping all over that space and they do a really good job of having someone go over the exact same floor space over and over and over without really knowing it. And by the time you take off the headset, you're like, oh, well, okay, I didn't realize I was here. I thought I was in the other corner. And um, so that's one solution. You're actually physically moving. So it's a really good, um, it's a really good analog to, you know, VR locomotion. Kevin, you did zero latency and they do some of that as well, right? Uh, yeah. So in zero latency, uh, they don't have all the bells and whistles quite like uh, Void does uh, with the rumbling floors and and all their other little special effects. They just have a big open space. Uh, and and so, Will, you said that your uh, Void, well, at least when you tried it out, it was in a uh, like 20 by 30 foot space or so, right? Yeah. Um, I want to say when we tried it at their location in Utah, I think they said it was like 20 by 30 um, we did try it in a significantly smaller space at, at Oculus Connect 5, I want to say. 5, yeah. Um, is when they brought it out, yeah. So I've tried it in a, a few different configurations as well as a couple of different event, uh, um, experiences, and, and they they were pretty good use of their space. Yeah, okay. So so here, at, at least at the location that I was at, uh, Zero Latency here in Houston, uh, their space was probably... 35 by maybe 60 feet it's it's wow. a pretty good sized area uh but again it's all just like completely flat um yeah uh you know and it's just like you're kind of running around in a in a bit of a warehouse space um, so they're not like putting corridors up or anything like that like you're no it's just kind of no wide open physical areas except for the four walls of your overall play space or your overall But in area. in the virtual world are there walls? Oh, well, yes, yes. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, you it, it does do quite a bit of the, you know, say you walk down the the hallway and get into an elevator. The elevator appears to be moving, you know, the door opens up and, you know, it causes you to you know, make a 90 degree turn or so and walk a little ways and then you hit another 90 degree turn, you know, right. something like that. Um, or later on in the level, it uh, came to a point where basically you're on this big platform and then the whole platform is moving through the world. So it allows you to basically make use of that whole space without any walls uh, but, you know, you still feel like you're kind of moving through the, the game world uh, just on this big moving moving platform. Uh, but they also do quite a bit of other little things. Um, uh, man, I, I, I really don't want to want to give it away, but um, it's it's kind of hard to show my appreciation for it without <laughs> t talking about uh but th there there were two very cool kind of feelings where um uh one time it basically had you walk down this long the 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 long way of of this warehouse space uh and it basically just has you do this little u-turn and when you do that you're on this slant downward floor and so that felt very weird oh wow you know to you 
what you see is you should be walking down this long ramp, but you know, you know that as you're walking forward, you're just walking on a flat space. Um, uh, and then another one that was a very, very cool feeling was you get to this big curve in the wall uh, and it's kind of like this sci-fi setting and you basically have these like you can think of it as like you have on gravity boots. So you basically start walking up this big curve uh, <laughs> and it basically neat. it puts you up upside down on the ceiling. Um, hmm. So so walking forward, but kind of seeing the world rotate around you as you walk up this curve was was quite interesting. That's clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was quite neat. You know, so, so that was a really good way of kind of changing up that feeling of instead of just a typical kind of, like I said, getting into an elevator and then, you know, the doors opening up and you just walking back out. Um, right. You know, it you're, you're still just walking forward across the room, but it doesn't feel like right. it's actually. Right. Your brain is telling you you're now upside down. Yeah, yeah. You know, not that, oh, okay, well, I just got closed off and I got moved around and redirected. Um, yeah. Right. Now, but, did you get a, a peek at the space without the headset on? I mean, how big of a, a space were you working in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it was probably 35 feet by okay. 60 feet. So that's kind of like warehouse scale VR. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just about like it's kind of in it was kind of in the strip center area. Uh, and then they've got a little spot up front. Uh, you walk in, it splits off into two rooms. Um, so that way people can get geared up for a game. Okay. And then while while people are in that back area, like I'd say probably seventy five percent of the space is just that back area of, so, of like the play area. So Kevin, did you when you were walking down the ramp, did you have kind of a sinking feeling? Like did you feel like you were actually going lower as you walked that ramp, even though you were walking on level ground? You no, know, maybe a little bit, but at the same time, it felt almost as if I was kind of floating. <laughs> be, be, because i'm still stepping on on the the flat ground while my view appears to be dropping uh so yeah it, it to me it gave me a little bit more of a floating feeling uh but it, it definitely felt weird so eric so you know one of the other ways that they can use space like that is non-euclidean spaces right and so sure. Eric, you've had some experience with that yeah no i mean there's there's a few good examples of this uh although they're not i haven't seen them really incorporated into to mainstream software there's a, a really amazing demo of a sort of you know game and development progress uh called t for god uh you can sideload it onto the oculus quest using side quest it's playing a lot of the same games uh, as far as sort of folding space back onto itself uh, so that you're walking over the same area again. Uh, but with non-Euclidean spaces in games, that just basically means it's not following the, the traditional laws of geometry. Uh, you know, you turn, you, you turn, you know, three rights and you don't end up back where you started. You end up somewhere else. The, the difference is that instead of trying to hide that in game by, say, you know, being in elevators or, or doing other things to obscure the space, it completely... Uh, incorporates that so that you know you're you're walking in ways that that should not take you to new areas and it's completely open about the fact that it's taking you to new areas which 
it's an extremely trippy effect. I mean, you'll look around a corner and you'll see space where there was a wall before you looked around the corner. Um, it's a really cool mechanic, uh, and it definitely opens up the space, um, messes with your head a fair bit until you kind of get used to it. But it's, um, you, you kind of have to come up with some excuse for it in story because it's just not how the world works, but, uh, it, it does work well to, to, uh, maximize your use of space. I will say this though, cause I was playing it in probably a, um, I played it in different size spaces cause you can, you can trace it out, but you know, in like a, maybe a 10 by 10 space, um, you end up walking in circles a lot effectively, even though it doesn't feel like you're doing that. But eventually your uh, inner ear does pick up on the fact that you're just going in circles. And if you're sensitive to that, um, you can end up getting kind of dizzy, which I did. But it's uh, it's a cool mechanic. I saw a game that just recently came out called Superliminal. It kind of plays with some of those perspective-based... Does it? Uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's <clears throat> necessarily always non-Euclidean, right? Where you're you're always focused on that specific mechanic, but it does use a lot of, uh, those, um, perspective shifts. You know, you're, you're looking at a piece, a puzzle, a chess piece that's in front of you. And really it's, you know, 40 feet big uh, because right, of, right. it looks like it's in the distance, but it's really actually right in front of you. Right. No, those are cool. That's, that's something that VR can potentially do extremely well. Uh, I've, I've, I've always felt like um, a lot of surrealist, you could do some surrealist art type things in VR that aren't possible on a flat canvas. And I'm looking forward to maybe playing with space and perspective in those ways. Um, kind of going a, a different direction, you know, heavily into the hardware direction, uh, treadmills are, are something that people tackle a lot. Uh, Josh, you've got a lot of firsthand experience with the, the various VR treadmills, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'd say... Uh... After headsets, it's probably the the number one thing I've had experience with is is definitely getting on some treadmills and uh, it, trying out the different ways of attacking that beast. Because um, as you said earlier, um, going after locomotion in any per, uh, modality is not a simple task, right? Uh, it seems seems like a simple thing at, at face value, but when you want to do something well, um, it has to blend into the background seamlessly and you have to not have to think about it. It has to just happen. So there are several different platforms out there. Um, you guys might be familiar with them. There's uh, the one that I've used the most is the Virtuix Omni. I would argue it's probably one of the most prolific um, out there for uh, businesses and uh, entertainment venues and and research and things along those uh, of that nature. There are some other things. Um, the Cat VR, I would say, is built more for a, a personal use. Um, and then you have uh, things that are in development that are that have a lot of potential. Uh, that something like the Infinidec. Um, if you guys uh, remember from Ready Player One, when he's running around on his in a in a in a van, he's running on a platform that just moves underneath him. Some calls it some kind of positronic something. I can't remember exactly what he calls it, but it's essentially what the Infinidec tries to do, right? Um, so the Omni is a static platform. It The way it works is you have a very slick 
surface on the bottom of your feet and a very slick surface that you're running on top of. It's a, a parabolic shape that allows you to stay centered while running or walking in place. The, the key caveat here is that the Omni uh, is, in my opinion, the only platform that allows you to do a full bore run safely. The other platforms that are out there have a tendency to allow you to either move too much or to misstep too much that you really don't feel comfortable at going that fast of a clip. That being right. said, um, if you're doing something that you want the the platform to move beneath you, that would be something like the Infinidec where you have essentially a bi-directional treadmill. So it, it'll go in any direction that your foot is trying to travel. And the, the, the hard problem that they're trying to solve is they're trying to guess where your foot's going to be before your foot gets there, right? So as soon as you pick your foot up, and it's leaving the ground and you're trying to take the next step. It's trying to understand which direction you're moving and account for that and move you and recenter you without doing moving too much to where it's going to pull you or push you and, and make you fall over or something like that. It's, it's definitely something that in the long run seems like it will be a fantastic solution. And I really hope I, I can see, um, them come out with something that is rock solid. So uh, the, the last time I tried it, it was a development unit at SVVR. And it's, like I said, it's a great concept. It just has a huge, huge challenge to, to tackle as far as understanding and interpreting where your steps are going to take you so that you can move faster than, than a walk. The cat VR, it, it does a similar uh, effect to um, the Omni, but the, the way it holds you, um, rather than a harness anchored to the ground, it's it's kind of like a, a, for lack of a better term, it's kind of like a meat hook up from above that's holding <laughs> you from the top. And so it it does the same concept of a, a static platform that you're, you're sliding on. Um, but I found that once you get up to a, a, a faster clip, you start to potentially fall over in the harness. And so that's something to, to, to take into account. I will say that they, uh, they build their platform to just, I believe just emulate WASD movement for Steam, Steam games. So it's just not really a direct support kind of a platform it's really just interpretation of what you would do with like a controller movement to foot foot movement right so there are some other there are some other solutions out there one of the ones that i've seen um it's touted on like reddit and things like that is there's a product called natural locomotion um and some games implement a similar system but the idea is um you sort of like jog in place and you don't attach anything to your legs but what you do is you take, well, there's another one for that. Um, but you essentially just take your controllers and, and move them up and down like you would if you were actually running. Um, and that sort of tells the, you know, the injection layer that's running, hey, you know, move in whichever direction I'm facing. There's a couple of issues with that. Strafing, I don't know if it does or doesn't work. I know in the original version, I don't think it did. Um, 
but there's also it's gaze based. So wherever you're looking is where you're moving. So if you're like running away from something in a game and then you turn around to look, Oh, is it close to me? Suddenly you're running back towards the thing <laughs> that you're trying to run away from. And that's not uh, the intended example, uh, intended outcome I'd imagine. Um, so there's that. Um, uh, there is another one I've seen where like you, you take a second controller and like put it in your pocket while you play and then it, it, and then you jog in place. And so it takes that data um, there's some interesting, like just with the hardware you've got type situations. Um, we've seen examples of like, a there was one that was, and I don't remember the name, unfortunately. Um, but it was like an octagon shaped pad that goes on the ground and you would just sort of take a step forward to whichever direction you wanted to go and you would start moving and then you'd step back to center. Um, and that, like you mentioned, Josh was sort of emulating, uh, WASD movement. It would just point, it would just move you in the direction, um, that you stepped on. Um, there was a, a weird one we tried at a SVVR party once where this guy had, it was essentially a, a bike tire on the bottom of a, <laughs> of a, of a, a wooden platform and you kind of like surfed. It actually worked fairly well. It was like a hover skating type thing and. Uh, you're just kind of flying around this island like jetpacking and, and, it, and it worked okay. It was it was not bad. I mean, I have an iron stomach for this stuff, so it's never a problem for me. Like I played Windlands, which infamously uh, when it first was working on the Vive, uh, it was horrible for locomotion support. Like I have a friend who tried it and took two steps in game and wanted to just hurl all over. I like the I like the concept of the tire one though that the idea right, that you right you just kind of lean and right, surf a little and bit and you didn't rely entirely on it like the whole whole right, idea of this right. whole locomotion um, solving for locomotion right is that a lot of times you don't have an infinite amount of space you don't have thirty five feet by sixty feet to run around in so having something that allows you to kind of quick travel seemed like a novel right. novel solve right so. Um... Which brings up a good point, right? If you don't have a lot of space to run around in or do redirected walking in, um, some of the solutions out there are like seated solutions. And Kevin, I know you've tried the VR Go, which is that little egg-shaped chair, right? Uh, yeah, so so that's what I tried. Um, tried it at uh, SVV, SVVR uh, quite a few years ago when it was first starting to kind of hit the market. Um, my initial impressions of it uh, I, I thought it was was decent. You know, it's it, it can definitely be it, it can definitely have its its advantages. Um, it did get me a little bit nauseous. Um, okay. I, I think that was more so because uh, it, it felt a little floaty to me. Uh, gotcha. it, it didn't quite feel as solid. Um uh it, it took a little bit of getting used to as well right uh one of the things that uh i asked the uh one of the guys who was showing it off was if you could actually kind of customize the the speed and the acceleration of it he said which you can uh so i think that would have helped immensely if you know if if people had this and then they can kind of just customize it to to, to what's comfortable for them. Uh, I think that would be perfectly fine at, at that point. Uh, when I tried it, uh, the, the, the guy had said that he had set it up 
to what he was used to doing, which was somewhat fast paced for me. Right. So it, it felt like I just would barely lean forward or sideways and like I was off like a rocket, uh, hmm. you know, and it had a, it also felt like it had a very, very small sweet spot, uh, which I'm sure again is something that you can a- adjust, but it, it, um, so, so just kind of trying to, to find the, the spot of sitting there perfectly still. So you didn't move was, yeah, kind of was a little difficult to me as well, or, you know, just, just kind of, um, Oh, another thing that probably got me was, uh, in order. So, with this, since since it is that egg shape, you can just kind of spin in it, you know, three sixty, no problem. But of course, as you spin in it, you know, it kind of rocks back and forth and side to side, and so it would take that as movement instead of me just trying to spin, you know. So. So I, I think that's what really would would kind of start to get to me, is is me trying to just spin, and uh, you know th- then I was going off in a direction. Uh, another thing, of course, that's out there are shoes that people can wear. Uh, sadly, I don't think I've I've never been able to try any of them. Uh, have, has anyone else here? I have not closest thing is i've gotten to that is maybe like the omni has those shoes with the little tracking mm, pucks, right. but it's not doing any actual tracking individually besides you know everything it's doing with the omni um there is a community member who was looking into getting a, a set so hopefully we can get a hold of those try them out and, and report back but yeah the there's a cyber shoes is, is the one i think he was looking at but it's a it's a, like a stool and shoes like it's a whole setup um, and it does get quite expensive when you're talking about those things. The other downside is those tend to be very particular to a person, um, especially if it is actual shoes like uh, the Omni's shoes are. Um, you've got to buy one in every size if you're going to be doing any kind of like demos to the mass populace. Um, otherwise, you know, I guess a solution would be get the biggest ones you can get and then just have people wear extra socks. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the Omni has a one size fits most. They have small, medium, large over shoes, kind of like a... Ye- the old school yeah. skates that you used to put on over your shoes, they just kind of... Yeah, you just strap them on over yeah. your shoes. Right. right. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we'll see uh, how that goes. There's there's more ambitious shoe-based solutions out there that, that are more theoretical than practical at this point. Uh, Jamie Heineman uh, has got a, a project he's calling uh, Vortrex, where it's um their shoes and they've got these sort of motorized treads in the front um the the thought is that as you walk they will you know rotate backwards to recenter you and uh it's it's purely i think in the prototype stage at this point uh it's it's a pretty out there solution but the the hope is you know you put the shoes on and then whatever space you're in it could just you know keep recentering you within the space as you walk um i suspect that that's going to have much the same issue as a lot of the the treadmills which is if you're walking in a straight line things are fine if you start trying to turn while you walk uh because it's recentering you uh on the the leg that's down whereas you know the other leg doesn't know about that you get a bit of a, a drunken sailor syndrome where um you know you you feel like you're off balance 
Um, but who knows? I mean, he, he may pull a rabbit out of his hat on that one. But there's there's some other out there solutions. Uh, Josh, you had one, right? Yeah, I'd say the one of my favorite, just absolutely out there solutions for locomotion would have to be the the Thor hammer locomotion, which you know it's kind of a chaotic neutral solution to locomotion, right? Because you, <laughs> you're you're tempting the fates um, that that little string strap is not going to snap as you're literally <laughs> twirling your controller around as fast as possible because the faster you twirl the controller the faster you move yeah so that one was pretty interesting uh someone has definitely lost a ceiling fan to that <laughs> um, or at least a controller like one of the two either either the controller gets caught up by the fan and 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 you go flying or or the controller goes flying or you 100% destroy your ceiling lights. Or worst case, um, you turn so into Thor and start flying and you go yeah, I mean, straight through like, the wall. That's best case scenario, right? Like you, you gain the powers of Thor and, and there you go. Um, so, <laughs> so we've talked a lot about like the, the best and the worst. Um, so let's, let's say this. So if you could have, and, and let's say within, reasonable technical limitations um short of direct neural interface because i know eric is gonna say that's <laughs> full dive full dive because yes we've learned that Jack that's a terrible in. idea because right. of because uh, of sword art online and the matrix and others short of direct neural interface what would be your best case scenario for locomotion in vr let's say five ten years in the future well, I mean, I, I think it has to be relatively compact, um, and it, it definitely has to handle the uh, the sort of off-balance while turning issue. I mean, I, I still feel like there's the potential there for, for something treadmillish. Uh, I don't know whether it's, whether you're suspended and your feet are moving somewhat freely, or whether you're, uh, it's just got some other mechanic to kind of offset the the difference in motion as you're turning, but I like walking. I, I like when I go to travel, I like going to cities where I can walk and explore. I would happily, you know, go through a lot of walking simulators like uh, Firewatch and uh, Dear Esther in VR just because I love walking and looking at the scenery. And in fact, when I was playing with a, a, an early prototype of the, the Omni, I uh, was using the emulation layer to walk through Dear Esther and loved it. Um, but I, I do think it's going to have to be some some mechanical variant on on a, a treadmill type solution just something that's uh more compact and and uses some sort of a novel solution either that or we're going to have to come up with some some truly unique software-based solutions there's there's a lot of paradigms people have been playing with that are promising and if they can find one that that gives you that sense of locomotion without breaking um presence then then that would be huge josh what do you think i mean you know, it's hard to, to forecast something like this, right? Because it's such a tough nut to crack. Um, it, locomotion is so imperative to the overall immersion and the feeling of being in the experience, right? But trying to know how how we can create a set of solutions because i think it won't be just one i think it'll be a set of hardware that you'll have to be in 
in order to completely free yourself of the uh, the real reality um, and really be at a part of that immersive experience. I think we're on the right track. I, I'm not sure that five or ten years are even enough time for us to perfect it, right? Uh, I do think that it's absolutely imperative that we keep researching how to solve for it, though. You know, things like the vestibular stimulation where they're making you feel six axis of movement without actually moving your body. Um, the things that Infinidex doing, the, the constant uh, attention to detail and focus on perfecting the, the Omni, the variability of the, the cat, the movement and understanding of what Infinidex does. I think all of these solutions together speak to the concept that having a person able to be freed from restricted being restricted by their space is absolutely important to the things that we're going to be capable of doing in VR, right? Like one of my favorite anecdotes about VR is the research study they did with, with, uh, paralyzed people that were paralyzed and they trained them in vr to um think about walking and think about moving and then they put them in this like mechanized gantry system that moved their limbs for them and then over time through using vr to immerse them in an experience that they felt like they were there that they felt like they still had access to their limbs and through moving their limbs for them in concert with that experience, they were able to regain some sensation of touch and some some neural pathway was reactivated or, or new pathways were grown. I mean, that's such an impactful and powerful idea that this is a, a way to tap into accessing our brains and our existence in, in a way that we haven't been able to without this technology. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, so um, g going back to the Infinidec, um, I I see them. Like, I've I've been following them quite a bit since I I, I originally saw their. I, I I think they did a Kickstarter. They did. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I backed um, it. Uh, yeah, well, good luck uh, ever getting <laughs> this one here. Um, it it certainly has a hefty, hefty price tag as of right now. Uh, but I, I I feel like they kind of have the best um, pathway to a, a, at least what I think would be the best kind of locomotion uh, solving those kind of problems. Uh, and and seeing their progress on it, uh, I, they could possibly, you know, have something five or ten years away. You know, um, they, they definitely have their their problems. Of uh, the the space that they control is kind of small. Uh, you can't go anything faster than maybe like a, a kind of a slow jog. Uh, because of the motors inside of it just don't quite um, uh, they, they can't quite react that fast or well I guess really they can it's just it's 
kind of like what, what you mentioned, Josh, it's very hard to basically predict what someone is, is doing. So mm -hmm. kind of fine tuning that, um, uh, it, it can be fairly unsafe if, if they get anything faster than a, than a kind of a slow jog. So they, they limit the motors as what they have of right now to basically no, go no faster than that to try and keep people safe un, until they, they kind of perfect that. Uh, you know, they, they are using uh, Vive Pucks uh, strapped on the shoes now to kind of track where people are, are stepping and, and how fast they're going. By the way, I want to backtrack there for a sec. Uh, yeah. So uh, it was, it was uh, I'd, I'd lost track. I'm tired. It was uh, uh, Virtuix that had the, the Kickstarter. I don't think Infinidec ever did a Kickstarter. It was that that I backed. Oh, okay. But so I, I think... I think they have the best solution of, or like the best kind of perfect solution of what we may see within the next 10 years, uh, taking a little bit of a leap. Uh, to me, the absolute perfect solution uh, would be something like um, what Axon VR had and their little uh, skeletal system, uh, their, their exoskeleton suit, like on a robot arm. Uh, because then, you know, the, the thing with all these is there's no way to go up or down. Uh, right. whereas in that axon, which is now apparently has become haptics, um, or hapt X, uh, you know, if you pick your leg up, say, if you're walking upstairs and put your foot down, you actually have resistance now instead of just, you know, nothing right uh, so I, I i think out far out into the future uh something like some kind of exoskeletal suit that you kind of strap yourself into would be the best overall because that'd be very cool you know, maybe that for legs and then a tesla suit you know <laughs> uh up, up top or something but anyway well yeah i'm gonna go with the giant hamster ball from the end of the ready player one book sweet uh, yeah. i think Good call. I, I, honestly i don't i don't think that's a terrible idea uh, no you know, this no, it's sort not. of you know sphere on rollers that handles that i mean as long as you could get the friction low enough um not everybody's willing to dedicate an entire room but i think for like lo location-based stuff that would be fantastic it would give you, you know, provided you can get the sphere big enough and, and everything, it would give you a pretty good sense of of walking normally. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an infinitely, I mean, hell, it works on a mouse. It's just a ball rolling and, and it tracks the rollers. So, right. in, in theory, you should be able to make that work. So, I'd love to see somebody actually build that. I mean, God, it's going to cost a lot of money. But I, I'd love to see it built and see what, like, if it actually works. I don't know that it's financially viable and it's certainly not viable for people's homes. But it'd be really cool to see something like that done. I'd love um, to try that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just taking that that dish and wrapping it around you um so yeah i mean that's that's kind of my option is like if we're going for practicality not just stab me in the back of the neck and, and, and plug me into the internet um i i think a, a giant hamster ball is probably a pretty good option uh well i want to throw out go the, ahead uh, oh go ahead yeah oh no I, I just wanted to say i would pay good money to see you will 
run on the hamster ball to the point where it's going so fast and then <laughs> slip flips me. and then you start spinning around in circles over and over and over and do 360s you vastly overrate how fast i can run. <laughs> <laughs> eric you were gonna say something uh, i was just gonna say that with these you know very difficult problems ones that are gonna take you know many years to to find a good solution to i have tremendous respect for the companies that are willing to go out on a limb and try oh, yeah. all of these uh unusual solutions because uh you know we know we're not likely to kind of stumble across the the silver bullet immediately but the only way we're going to get closer is just trying a lot of different things just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks and absolutely. it's um it's high risk it's high cost and it's work that absolutely has to be done so the the people that do it have my tremendous respect uh, and, and I know that sometimes I'll point out, hey, this, this doesn't work like you want it to, but um, that in no way detracts from the fact that I'm tremendously happy that they tried it. And even when you learn that something doesn't work well, you learn something. So I, Exactly. I'd like to second that because I, I've actually had the, the pleasure to work directly with a lot of these founders, and they wholeheartedly believe in exactly what you said, Eric, that finding the solution is a long road it's a lot of work it's a lot of sacrifice it's a lot of throwing your own blood sweat and tears into a solution that has a lot of people saying a lot of uh things about why isn't it perfect today or yesterday right um and you you spend a lot of thankless nights toiling over the these concepts but it is absolutely crucial to the evolution of this industry, to everything we want out of it, and to getting to these end goals that we're talking about, to having the hamster ball wheel or to having the exoskeleton with a articulating arm. All, all these concepts happen and are capable of happening in the long run entirely because of all the hard work that these guys put into their products. And I can't wish them more success than right now the truly frustrating thing is that whenever you've got a a difficult problem like this where you finally stumble across the solution it is what i call obvious in retrospect as soon as the solution happens everyone goes well yeah of course that's the answer <laughs> and what they don't realize is that you had to go down all these blind alleys and dead ends to to find that one uh right so but well, you know, maybe next year is the year, right? Because maybe next year is the year time. of hindsight. So, wow, oh, there is, you go. Is, yes. is the time now? <laughs> the time is now. Thank <laughs> you, Kevin. Yep. And with that, I think we're done for the <laughs> night. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, all right, everybody, have a good time. Thanks for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you next time. See you later. See you, everyone. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Virtually Relevant. This podcast is produced by the leaders and community members of Houston VR. We'd just like to take a moment to invite everyone to our Patreon page. Our team spends countless hours and resources to make sure we bring you the best content, the newest innovations, and create awesome events for our community. Please consider becoming a patron today and lending your support to ensure that we're able to continue providing the content and experiences you want. Visit patreon.com slash Houston VR and become a member today.